Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to Lockdown Red Wings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Thursday, June 24th, 2021, and today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com, your family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Visit rockauto.com right now and tell them that Lockdown sent you. I'm Nolan Bianchi. We've got another draft profile episode for you guys today, our third one of the week. we got Will Scouch in here today. We're looking at Zachary LaRue. And Carson Lambos yesterday, we had Tony Ferrari in the house. Did a little talk about Cole Sillinger and Brant Clark. So if you like prospects, if you like being the most knowledgeable person on draft day, well, then you're in the right place. Because we're going to be bringing you six draft profiles a week. Uh, we have been for about three, four weeks now. We're going to continue to do that right up until draft day. And by the time that we get there, I mean, you're just going to, you're going to be an expert. You're going to be that guy uh, at your draft party. That's just dropping knowledge on everybody. Everybody's going to be like, where did you learn all that? And you're going to be like, oh, there's no lockdown Red Wings. Um, they, they don't know so much, but they bring, they know a lot of people who do. Um, and that's all we're trying to do here, folks. We're trying to learn. We're trying to help you learn. So be sure to subscribe. It's only going to make sure that each and every morning you can make sure uh, that the new episode is waiting for you. I'm Nolan Bianchi. I'm flying solo with producer Brian, much like yesterday. What up, producer Brian? Shout out, producer Brian. Uh, not much. I'm just actually really, really pumped that Detroit sports got a real win for once. And those yes, Pistons, we should have addressed that yesterday. Yeah, we should have addressed um, it yesterday, but we were we were so caught up in the, the Sillinger and Clark interview. We wanted to talk about yeah, that before the interview started. A day late. Um, yeah, no. I, I, what a unique feeling. Like, I don't know why, but like, it was like during the day, like everybody was really positive about it. And usually everybody's very pessimistic about draft lotteries and everybody just felt it today. And I felt it during the day and I tweeted out at like three o'clock. I was like, everybody has been completely pessimistic for every draft lottery in this city since I can remember and except for this one and it is contagious i believe hashtag we got cade <laughs> like, <laughs> see i'm actually completely opposite I, I didn't even bother watching the draft lottery because i was like it's not gonna happen it never happens for detroit sports yeah. i'm sitting here i'm on my computer and i get a notification from espn and it says detroit wins the draft lottery. i'm like son of a bitch the one time i didn't yeah. watch i know i know and you like that's the thing is i wasn't gonna watch because i was i didn't want to like do that you know like put the pressure on and then be disappointed exactly and uh, so I was like kind of paying attention to it. Kind of, I was over at my girlfriend's house and then we were watching a movie. I was kind of paying attention to it on my phone. And I saw everybody being like, top four, it's top four. And I'm like, we got to get to ESPN right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like such a unique thing. Like, we, we that has literally never been experienced here before is winning a draft lottery. And, um, was it the you first know. first time since 1970 the Pistons have had the number one overall pick, and then the first time ever they've won the lottery? Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, really, like just a it, it was like honestly, I would like put it on par with just with the elation that like carried throughout the night and like on Twitter in my heart as I was driving home later was like comparable to like reaching a conference final. Oh, and yeah. maybe it's just, 
because they've never been there. No, like no Detroit team has ever been there, but uh, that's how it felt. So, well, and I uh, was talking to, to finish it off because we got to get to this interview, but I was talking to my buddy and we were like, this is the biggest thing to happen for Detroit sports in the last. And we were like, decade? Because it's 2021 and we're trying yeah. to think. Last time anything like really major happened in Detroit sports is when the Tigers made it to the World Series in 2012. So in the last nine years, it's the biggest thing to happen for us. Yep, pretty much. Uh, very exciting stuff. I'm excited to see what they do. I hope it's I hope it's Cade Cunningham. That would speed up the rebuild yeah. so fast, especially in the NDA. No. Uh, go check out Lockdown Pistons. I'm sure they'll be filling you in on every, every possible option there. Uh, let's kick it to Will Scouch. All right, we're here with uh, Will Scouch from Scouching, uh, founder of Scouching. Go check him out on YouTube. Go check him out on Patreon. Go check him out uh, at McKean's Hockey. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we are going to talk about Zachary Zachary LaRue and Carson Lambos. Uh, Zachary LaRue, the, the center out of Halifax of the QMJHL, 5'11", 196 pounds, shoots left-handed, but is kind of a psycho. Is that... <laughs> Because we have to, we have to lead with that, right? We have to talk about the fact that he yeah. is top two in penalty minutes for every team he's ever played for. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's wild, man. Like it's 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 really he, wild. He is a character. Uh, I mean, Zach Larue is a fascinating one. I don't. He's one of those ones where I, another one of those players where I think there's a very wide range of possibilities for his career. I don't think he's a guy that you can run a line through. I don't even know if he's a guy I would really push for in the first round. That's for both on and off ice reasons. I mean, the guy in the middle of a pandemic got suspended because he spat on someone. Like, I don't care how old you are. I don't care. If you're if you're the type of person to get so competitive, quote unquote, that you do something like that to a to a player in especially in 2020 and 2021 yeah. like that single-handedly makes me question your ability to just keep yourself under control and and just you know like i was 17 years old once and i can't recall ever in my life spitting on anyone um so i don't know i mean maybe it's pretty I'm just easy not thing to not do yeah, yeah I, I mean like look at me hard. i'm not i'm not an athlete so i don't know what that level of competitiveness, <laughs> competitiveness feels like but you don't see guys spitting on each other at any level of hockey or any level of sports pretty much anywhere it's always seen as like a universal thing but that just sort of touches on the issue of self-control um you know he's very rambunctious he's very intense um which i think nhl teams are going to love i i think that there's a team like maybe the bruins or something that you know had they had a first round or i think they do have a first round pick this year uh you know if they use it on a zach larue i totally understand why he's skilled he's slippery he's a menace to the opposing team he works hard um you know his his I, I think he's a really interesting player that I think could very much outperform his draft slot. He brings a nice, diverse offensive game. Um, he's among the best I've tracked in terms of driving chances off his own stick from dangerous areas and driving dangerous passes into those areas from the perimeter. Um, you know, I question how much he's like the guy on your line. I'm not sure. I don't know if he's going to be a center, um, but as a complementary offensive piece, that also has that sort of like, I'm going to get under your skin kind of element to his game. That could be very interesting to me and learning to walk that balance of, you know, yeah, there's pushing the envelope, but then there's also being an idiot and learning how to balance that is going to be very 
important because also I feel like NHL referees don't take very long to recognize a player who is basically asking for penalties. Um, And if he becomes one of those guys, that could be an issue. And he does a lot of things where you objectively have to give him a penalty. It's not that he's just like going in hard on checks. Like he is relentless with his pressure with his, his sticks gets his stick gets up often. You know, he, he often can sort of aim a little high a little bit here and there with his hits. Uh, you know, he, he really comes at you. Um, which I'm sure some teams love, and, yeah. but it's also that there's offense to his game that I think uh, can't be forgotten. You know, his defensive game, eh, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to send him out there to shut down. I mean, he's the epitome uh, or one of the strongest examples of what I call like cowboy hockey or yeehaw hockey, where it's just <laughs> offense. And then you just kind of bleed things defensively and then just try to turn play around and, and get back going offensively. So he do, he's in that kind of a system with Halifax. Um, and it kind of works for him, I guess, like his overall results are extremely positive. Uh, but again, he's also one of these guys where I think two of the five games I've tracked of his have been extremely good. And just, he's a consistent threat all game long. And then there's other games where he's kind of just a guy and he's just kind of floating around. He doesn't have a ton of pace to his game, but he knows how to sort of be effective. Um, and when it comes time to putting points on the board, you know, he knows how to spot line mates. He knows how to get into dangerous areas. He battles. Um, there's a lot of things that I think could make him an NHL player, but I'm not sure how, how you know, sort of how likely it is that he becomes like a top six, you know, guy that should have gone in the top 15 when looking back. I, I'm not sure he's quite there, but he's he could serve a very interesting role in the nhl for sure did you know that bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at bet online get all the latest news odds and info for all your sporting needs including mlb nba and all of your ufc mma action before the next pitch head on over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device check out all the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest information don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams finish their runs in playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And use our promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N for a 50% welcome bonus at Bet Online, your online sportbook experts. There's an old man sitting next to me, making love to his tonic and gin. <laughs> Yeah, so so one of the like super noticeable things about uh, how he's getting a lot of his like primary assists are, I mean, he has no fear, right? Like he yeah. he will he will just dive, whether it's into the crease or net front or whatever. He he will push the puck deep, and and a lot of his assists have come from that just just cutting straight to the net and then and then finding someone else net front basically, yeah. or the or the opposite crease and just getting kind of a, a an assist that way. Is that something that that he will that will translate that he will always be able to do he's always going to try it I mean he's you know we've talked about between the ears but like is that is he going to have to kind of diversify and learn how to how to set people up in other ways or is that kind of just how he he's going to set up teammates well the big the big thing that would judge that like I don't know as of right now especially because he plays in the Quebec League which is pretty soft defensively yeah, like they're not sure. it's not bad like I don't think you know it's fun to laugh at at the Quebec League for some people but for me it's more about just it's just not very intense defensively like they're just kind of soft they give you a lot of space to work with and he can use that to his advantage but I do think that just having that instinct 
you know, he's going to, he's, if he's going to project that to that style of play, he's absolutely just going to need to just beef up and just be able to, to relentlessly attack. And that's going to take time in the weight room. That's going to take devotion to sort of get there. If that's the style of play he wants to play. Like you look at Brad Marchand, he's not skinny. He's, he's, he's got some heft, like he's not huge, but he, he makes up for it by just willpower work ethic and probably being a tank off the ice, right? Like it, it has to be the case uh, and he gets rewarded for it. And I could see the same kind of vibe uh, with LaRue for sure. And if you look at where Brad Marchand was drafted, those two guys might end up in a similar range of the draft. Um, That's like the whole exchanging the most... bodily fluids then. <laughs> right, right, right. That's yeah. by, that <laughs> are the most common comp, like yeah. by far the most common comp out there. Is it? Yeah. I mean, it's the easy one. Um, I don't think it's particular. I don't think he's as skilled or as dynamic as Brad Marchand is. Sure. Like Brad Marchand is a magician also. Like he has the benefit of tremendous skill. Um, you know, LaRue is fine, but he's more, like you said, like a brute force kind of player, not necessarily a power winger, but he just works to earn what he gets a lot of the time, especially when he has the puck. Um, I don't know what he's going to do in the NHL. I mean, I think there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of risk because it's, it's really tough to read his, his style of play in the QMJHL when he's not extremely dynamic or extremely skilled or whatever. He just kind of goes out and knows what needs to be done to get, to get the puck in the net one way or the other. His shot is an overwhelmingly insane. His playmaking vision is, is he, he tries a lot, but it's not necessarily like, he sees the the target and tries to do it. He's just in the corner, figures a shot or a pass in front right. of the net would do well, which usually is true, um, and just kind of throws it in front of the net. But he also does create a lot of shot attempts for both himself and his line mates, and that's valuable. Um, so as an offensive complementary piece, I absolutely think that he'd be a good fit, especially for a team looking for a bit of grease and a little bit of grime up, up front and a guy who can, you know, have that bit of, you know, psychopath energy from time to time. Like if teams want that, then, then he's one of the best ones in the draft uh, in that area. So we'll see what happens. I, I don't know. He could be a guy that goes top 15 to me if the right team comes along, but he could also be a team that, or he could also be a guy that slips out of the first round because teams just might have him like three or four when their time to pick comes. It's, it's going to be weird. Where do you think like, and you know, we don't have to spend too much time on this cause I don't want to beat a dead horse or anything, but do you think, you know, where do, where do you think that draft stock is that draft projection is if he doesn't have those character issues? Um, that's a really good question. I don't know. I think that it would like to me it, again, like so much of what I do and what like the scouting work is, is, you have to also understand like what your preferences are and what you, you know, what your philosophy is and how, Mm -hmm. if the way I see it is like, if I were building a pro hockey team, how would I want their identity to be? How would I want them to look and how can I find the players that fit that mold so that I have less work to do so that I can basically, you know, not worry so much about like, well, this and this and this and this and this need to improve. And only then will they be part of the program we're trying to build. And for me, guys like Zach LaRue, I mean, even if he didn't have the sort of, questionable tendencies mentally that he has i'm still a little bit skeptical of his overall outlook um i I think he's gonna he's at least gonna be a very good junior scorer i think um when it comes time to projecting to the nhl i'm not sure how much offensive upside he will actually bring with him but he'll bring the right instincts offensively and he'll bring the right his brain is wired the right way to at least chip in offensively um so i think he would still be a guy that would be 
you know, maybe a late first round pick to me. Um, but for me, like the fact that there's all of these other things that mentally on the ice, you just go, what are you, what are you doing? And then he does it again. And, and there's like four or five incidents a year where you're like, what are you even doing to me? That's not my brand of hockey team. Like some people might really like a guy like Zach LaRue out there 20 minutes a night, antagonizing the opponent and doing whatever. But I think there's a, if he can learn that limit and, and make it more of a like lighthearted personality side of the game, like he kind of sees the fun in it rather than like, I'm going to go out there and make everyone angry because that's my job. Um, then I'd be more favorable. But again, like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what's really going on there. And it, it does kind of devalue things a little bit to me, but he's still a, a perfectly reasonable sort of late first kind of guy, I think. All right. Uh, well, then let us move on to Carson Lambeau's left-hand shot defenseman, Canadian, six foot one, two hundred one pounds. Uh, spent his season over in uh, Finland with the U twenty team. Didn't really play uh, just a whole lot this past year. Uh, what do you got for me on Carson Lambeau's? What his past year has looked like? What his trajectory has looked like? Because I, I thought I remembered like kind of towards the beginning maybe like a year ago or like early on into this draft season, like he was up pretty high on a lot of people's lists and he's kind of fallen. Yeah. So he is going to be a tough one. I he's, he's one of the players where, you know, like a big thing about this year's draft is I think it's going to be really important. And I know this isn't what's going to happen, but realistically what should be the view on this draft is like, weird stuff has happened all over the place and, and things are all over the place. No one can really agree on who, you know, people's top 31s are all over the place. Um, you know, it's the most, it's the most divisive, you know, year that I have tracked when I track other people's rankings and such. And Carson Lambos is a big example of that. I mean, under normal circumstances, full season with the Winnipeg ice, big time minutes eater, probably. Um, and where he would end up, I don't know. Um, but he went to Finland. He was one of the first to jump the, the pond and go play overseas. And I mean, the team he was playing for with Javeskola were not great in the Liga. They brought up a lot of young defensemen where before they were ready to play in the Liga because they didn't really have many other bodies. And Lambos got a few games there. And one of the games I tracked to his was at the Liga level. Um, you know, look, I, I'm kind of going on before telling you what I actually think of him. I think that he's a player that, is going to be more defensive leaning than anything. Um, you know, he is mobile. He's, he's very laterally mobile. He can close gaps really, really well. He's got a very well-refined sort of sense of defensive ability. Um, you know, kind of the things that if, you know, if I have Luke Hughes, I show him some tape of Carson Lambos and go, you can do more of this. Mm. Um, definitely. You can definitely do more of this. Uh, and with Lambos though, I could turn and look at Luke Hughes and say, <laughs> you could probably do more of this. Um, you know, his puck management skills are okay, not great. I, I think if you're looking for a true top 10 dynamic two-way defenseman, he has some work to do if you're going to build him up into being that. Um, but his defensive intelligence and reliability and pro it's projectable to me is, is impressive. But at the same time, the, the game I watched in the Liga, you know, yeah, it was his 
I think second game ever playing against professional competition. Um, and he didn't play a ton of minutes, but he was outmatched. Like he just was not, he was not ready. He was a step behind on defensive play all the time. He had trouble sticking to guys on defensive rushes and entering the defensive zone. He would get left behind. Um, he panic passed all the time. He was just sending passes up the boards to defensemen in his own zone high at the, at the blue line. Um, you know, just not really doing much that was, I thought effective. Uh, but, over the big sample of him playing against junior competition, I think the big ice kind of messed with his head a little bit, you know, sending passes was always a little bit more difficult on a bigger ice surface with more space to work with, um, you know, less physical pressure. I don't know. He's one where, again, like if he goes sixth overall, you know, to the Detroit Red Wings somehow, I'd go, okay, like you have to trust Steve Eiserman and his brain. Like they did, they've done this before and it's worked out. But at the same time, like, they're taking risk. And based on what I've seen of Lambos, I mean, I, again, like I just put out, or for my patrons, I just put out uh, my June rankings today. And in that I wrote a note about Carson Lambos and being a guy who, you know, I went through all the video clips I've pulled and he's the one where, when I started looking back at the tape that I've pulled, I go, okay, I might be a little bit too cautious on him or a little bit too pessimistic because looking at other defenders in that range, I think that there's, you know, he belongs, you know, it's not, he might not be a top 10 guy to me, but he's a first round pick to me. And and through all the injuries and lackluster play in Finland and all that, um, he's still a, a rock solid defensive player that I find projectably rock solid defensively. And that's valuable. Um, and then when you have the mobility and, and the flashes of skill with his hands and his ability to sort of take care of the puck some of the time, not often, but, but often enough, there's potential for growth there. And if he gets sort of back to, uh, the form he was in last year, you know, driving offense through shoot, shooting from the point might be something that gets mitigated a little bit, but you know, he is a confident player at the puck on his stick. Uh, it just, he wasn't putting up a ton of great results for me when I saw him in Finland. Um, but as a defense first guy where you go, hopefully we can build on the offense over time. Uh, you could do a lot worse in the first round. He might not be the guy that I'm running up to the podium to draft, but if he slips somehow to like 25, 26, 27, or to Detroit's second round pick at the beginning of the second day, take a swing and see what happens. And I think you'll get at least an NHL defenseman, whether or not he's a world ender or like even a super positive impact player. I don't know, but he shows a lot of the right instincts, a lot of the right traits, a lot of the right fundamental skills to, to make something work. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think it didn't take very long for me to be like, all right, maybe this guy isn't part of that real super top end group. But again, like it's weird. In a couple of years, we might look back at this draft and make fun of half the teams for passing on a bunch of guys who fell um, because of just the nature of this season. And I don't know, it's it, he's one where the uncertainty might be a benefit for him almost. I don't know. It's it's he's a weird he's another one of the weird ones, I think. This episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all of your local auto parts in a traditional chain store. Why would you endure the pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning? Is your uh, is this a Honda C and LX or an EX? Uh, uh, are these wipers for your uh, windshield or your rear windshield? It's like, I don't know, dude. You know, uh, and wait while the person behind the counter orders a parse uh, on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. And save time and money when using rockauto.com. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more 
the same auto parts from a chain store or a car dealership. Uh, RockAuto.com, they're a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years, serving do-it-yourselfers for 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go explore all their easy ways to use their website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. Uh, go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and just write locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? So that they know we sent you. They've got a made selection. Reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. This is uh, Bertuzzi looking at Setaguchi across the ice. And your dead seems to be what uh, he's mouthing. I, I get the vibe that he's got like a uh, like a Matt Beneers type of floor slash ceiling where it's like yeah, this probably will be all things considered a successful pick. But yeah. how successful? You know, what is the room for for potential there? And you know how successful it can really be? Yeah. Yeah, I could absolutely see that. I mean, with Matty Beneers, I I love how he plays. I I'm not as skeptical of his upside, but with Lambos, you know, it is kind of like a miniature version of that. You know, I think that Lambos is going to, you know, he has the right wiring in his brain to play defense in a way that I think makes sense. Um, it's just in terms of when the puck is on his stick and his ability to sort of play that two-way kind of brand of game it's not terrible. And I think he should be a first round pick, but there is some situations where, um, again, I haven't, I haven't seen him play in a while. He's been hurt uh, off and on here and there. Um, but it's, it's kind of like, it's a situation where I go, okay, I see what you're doing defensively. I get it. I see that the talent, but like, and then what, you mm-hmm. know, and the end, and the, and then what with a lot of defensemen is where I kind of get lost. Like Daniel Cheka is another one where sometimes he's a bit shaky defensively even, and that kind of knocks him to me, but the, and then what of like, what do you do when the puck is on your stick kind of thing is, is a, is a difference maker. And that with Lambos was just at the, at the very least, like kind of hit or miss. Like it was kind of hard to tell uh, what kind of offensive or, or, or when the puck is on his stick, what kind of value he's going to bring to your team. But, you know, as a guy that you just put out as a defender and and not have to worry about, I, I think he's a decent option in, in the in the mid to late first round for sure. So what do you think then on the other side of the puck? What do you think like his biggest areas of improvement are? He doesn't seem to to be super afraid to shoot at a minimum. Uh, that doesn't seem to be something that that he's like shies away from or is timid from. But um, clearly, clearly there's some reservations still about just his offensive game in general. You know, you talked about like showing him videos of Hughes and being like, you know, be more like this. What, what do you think, uh, what are like his, his biggest areas of improvement there on the offensive side? Yeah. So the big thing that has been very interesting for me in my own data is looking at the percentage where players are successful crossing each individual blue line going either direction. So for defensemen, you would expect, or for any player that for that matter, you would expect exiting the defensive zone and is, is much easier than entering the offensive zone, right? Like uh, most teams sure. don't challenge at the offensive blue line, right? Like they'll challenge at the defensive blue line. Um, and a lot of teams play a dump and chase kind of offense. So those offensive entry percentages might be low. But in my work, I factor that in by saying, well, if you dump the puck in and it's retrieved by a partner or or a line mate, technically you've entered the zone with control, even though the player dumped it in. It's just you have to factor that into your your analysis afterwards. But with Carson Lambos, I mean, he exits the defensive zone with control 81% of the time. 
but he enters the offensive zone with control 19% of the time. So you have a guy who 20, who 20, who 80% of the time when he dumps the puck in the offensive zone. Yeah. The, the, the opposing team picks it up and yeah, you might send in a four checker to try to cause a turnover there, but you're still handing over possession 20, 80% of the time. And that is very common though, with North American defensemen. It just feels for me with Lambos, especially with, with Finland, with in Finland where the ice is bigger and the, the defensive pressure isn't super high. I was hoping that my experience tracking him there would be, all right, he knows he has more space to play with. He knows he can sort of maybe try a little bit more of an aggressive offensive approach to the game and learn how to control a puck better and use that situation to his advantage. But in reality, I mean, he's just, he, he, he didn't, he was under, you know, just the, it was like he was wired to just dump the puck in offensively. And that is very uncommon for, for European defensemen. They will try to enter the offensive zone with, with control of the puck for sure. They, they prefer to play with possession, but you know, when, and when you see a North American defenseman come over there, it's a very unique experience because that usually doesn't happen. And then you also see the tendencies that are there, you know, with North American defensemen, they fit in with NHL coaches because those NHL coaches are also North American and they prefer that style of play where you're like, all right, once you cross the red line, dump that crap in and someone else will go get it. And for me, if you have a defenseman that's naturally wired to do that, but he's valuable defensively. Where do you draft that type of a player? I don't know. I, I was the, I guess the big thing for me is I was hoping for more creativity and sort of offensive sort of talent, because I think for a real premier NHL defenseman these days, you have to have that. Um, and he would, you know, he's that guy where cross the red line on a big open finished ice surface, cross the red line, fire it in and the opposing team picks it up. And that to me is a tendency that can probably be very hard to shake for a North American defenseman. Um, but, and he might never have to because coaches might want him to play that way. Uh, but it's that offensive side of the game where I'm going, I wanted to see him trying more. And it was much more just sort of, you know, pressure defusion defense first. And the rest is like, we're just going to play dump and chase offense, which again, it comes down to personality and preference. Like for me, not my ideal, you know, I'm not a fan of, of willingly handing the puck over to the opponent and then having to do the work to get it back all over again. Like maybe there are situations where that works. Um, but ideally you want to see someone at least trying to enter the offensive zone cleanly with control and make less work for his team. And I haven't seen a ton of that out of him. Um, but again, the defensive side is a much different story with him for sure. All right. Uh, Will Scouch from Scouching from McKean's. Uh, go check him out on Twitter. What's your, your Twitter is just Scouching. scouching uh, you can, yep. you can find all of his links there, the YouTube, the Patreon. Um, what do you got coming up as, as draft season rolls on that oh people boy. should be looking out for? It's probably a busier time of year. For yeah. you, I, would, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's busy. Uh, I mean, I juggle this with a day job. This is currently currently my lunch break, which is great. Oh well, thank you uh, very much for uh, taking that yep. time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's videos coming out all the time. Uh, finishing up two more by the end of this week. Um, there's a ranking coming out next couple of days. Uh, patrons have it now. Um, I'll be doing like a mock draft because everybody loves those. Uh, more videos coming in the in next month. More sort of you know, zoom out and look at the class as a whole kind of stuff that I'm planning. We always do a big ranking show uh, before the draft. And then uh, we live stream the draft every year. I was hoping to go in person this year to Montreal, but that did not happen, unfortunately. So we'll be doing the live stream thing again, both days, uh, raise some money for charity. uh, And then uh, 
that's basically it. But other than, I mean, it feels like there's a lot more going on, but I'm also <laughs> continuously, I'm continuously tracking more and more data, trying to get as much as I can in before, before crunch time. Um, but yeah, new stuff always happening over here for sure. I was gonna say, but I'm I'm sure that there's a lot more work that goes into like the the pre-production. Like you don't just press oh, a button and then the numbers 100%. are crunched. Yeah, you no, know, I'm not I'm not <laughs> pulling is... Excel spreadsheets from Instat and just running. No, like I I need the manual work to frame my eye, right? Like yeah. the, the big reason I do what I do is because I don't trust myself. I need to see like <laughs> I, I I need to see like live feedback of what's going on on the ice, and and have the computer tell me like. The video can tell a different story, but this is this is what actually is happening and work through the mismatches or where things line up and whatever. I just need to do it for myself. Like I, you know, and I, I mean, it just helps me work through what I'm seeing with, with my eyeballs. So I don't mind doing it, but yeah, it's a, it is a big, big chunk of what goes into the final, final product for sure. Well, that is definitely uh, understood, recognized, appreciated by us. And I'm sure uh, a lot of people out there as well. So you do great work. Thank you for, for, you know, being a, a great resource during this time of year. Thank you for joining us today. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously we'd, we'd love to see you back here in the future, but uh, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. I, I did learn one thing today and that is to create the perfect hockey player. All we would have to do is like tape Luke Hughes and Carson Lambos together. And then, <laughs> you know, okay. Yeah. Right. We'll say, we'll say, we'll say that would make the perfect hockey player. And move on. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Uh, All right. Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate you. All right. That'll do it for today's episode. Thank you to everybody who tuned in. Thank you to Will Scott for joining us. Thank you to producer Brian for joining me today on these intros and outros. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to do some shenanigans. we got a how do you feel about it Friday. We're coming back with it. I'm so excited. Uh, make sure you tune in. We're going to have Ethan. We're going to have Scotty. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. You're locked on Red Wings. Your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.